The Ringer Gambling Feed is your one-stop shop for all things betting throughout the NFL season from week one all the way through Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. We have you covered every which way. We got our favorite futures. We got props. We'll discuss the lines. And of course, we'll throw in a few parlays. That's a given. So whether you're a sharp or a square better, we'll be breaking it down in terms hopefully everybody can understand and we'll try to win some money along the way. So be sure to subscribe to the Ringer Gambling feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer availability and eligibility may vary. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Welcome to Extra Point Taken. Shiel Kapate here, joined by Ben Solak. Following Monday Night Football, Chargers beat the Jets 27-6. An absolute snoozer. The type of game that if you're on the couch, if you're on the recliner, as we say in the Kapate household, you just rest your eyes a little bit. You know, you're not... Oh, I love to rest your yeah, eyes. Yeah, you just rest your eyes. eyes. You're not napping. You're not sleeping. You're just resting your eyes a little bit. And whatever happens after that happens. Uh, it was that type of game. We'll talk about that game a little bit. And then we're switching it up a little bit. You know, it's the halfway point. Solak makes fun of me because I like doing stuff at the halfway point, at the one-third point. And so we said, what could we do? And we said, you know what? Let's do a little theme week. Let's, let's take three takes we had in the preseason, before the season, we went on the record on this podcast, and let's offer redos, okay? So this will be a nice way to look at what stood out to us from the first half of the season, what we want to change if we could, look ahead to the second half of the season, a little reset, if you will, at the halfway point. Benjamin Solak, how are you feeling about this exercise? I'm excited. I don't, I make fun of you for a lot of things. I don't make fun of you much for the halfway. I love a halfway. I love, oh, you a, love a halfway. Okay. Yeah. All I don't right. mind after four weeks, after nine weeks, you see this on pace. <laughs> I'm all about the milestones. I don't okay. want you to conflate just things I observe about you, like okay. you like milestones, which things I actually make fun of you for, which are great in number, but are a separate category entirely. Okay. I, next time I will ask for uh, clarification. I couldn't <laughs> tell by your tone whenever you said that. That's on me. All right. Let's get started. Let, let's talk about this game quickly. You're on the hook for Monday Night Football. I'm sorry. I probably should have taken this one uh, from you. You did back-to-back at one point. I probably should have done back-to-back, but this one's on you. What is your... I have no idea what your take's going to be. What is your take from this game, 27-6 Chargers? I'm very proud of my take on this game. Okay. The most frustrating thing about this game is that th- I could have done this... Th- I could have not watched this game at all. I could have watched 0% of it and done these takes on November 7th, 2022 and still been completely accurate. These teams okay. are right where they were a year ago. Yeah. Oh, I mean, come on. Uh, the Jets... What a great defensive season we're wasting here by messing around with Zach Wilson. What a tremendous defensive season. Well-built, well-constructed, great work by the front office, great work by the coaching staff, and we're just going to toss it away because we're continuing to invest in a young quarterback who we should have moved off of. Now, obviously, they did move off of him between 2022 and 2023, but Aaron Rodgers got hurt in week one. All right, if this is not Kirk Cousins, where they got, you know, things dropped on them and they had two days before the deadline and they moved quick for Josh Dobbs. This is not, you know, Falcons with Desmond Ritter. We're going to figure him out, but we got Taylor Heineke in the building and now we're going to play Heineke for a couple weeks before the bye and figure it out. They had a long time this season to say, all right, we kept Zach Wilson as our QB2. We brought in Aaron Rodgers' best friend, Tim Boyle, as QB3. We didn't take backup quarterback seriously. We had our chips in the pot on Rodgers. He's hurt. That sucks, but we can address this in week four and week five. We have seen enough of Zach Wilson to know we should get a different 
different quarterback in the building, but they didn't. They should have gotten a different quarterback in the building for 2022. They didn't do it for 2023 when they were stuck with Zach Wilson. Robert Sala continues to stand up there and tell us he's playing fine as if we can't watch football. And this, and you reap what you sow. Can't play. Uh, and and they, they, they've got a right tackle issue, and they've had a little bit of wide receiver carousel. But the quarterback is, de- is defunct. He's, you cannot operate a full real offense with Zach Wilson back there. And it's not just like you're doing it on a real bad team that's going to get the first overall pick. No, you're going to finish at 500 because this defense is sick. It's heavy metal, man. It rocks my socks off. They, they're not great by like, they're, they're, they're actually quite good by a lot of metrics. They'd be so much better if they didn't have to deal with the field position and the turnovers and all that stuff. This defense looks to me like it should be the best defense in the league. On the eye test, it might be the best defense in the league and they're wasting it. The Chargers. Oh, the, the right side of the line sucks for the fourth season in a row. We don't have uh, we don't have talent at the wide receiver position. Keenan Allen's a year older. Mike Williams is hurt again. Who could have seen any of these problems coming? Like I like they're even like trying to do better stuff. Joe Lombardi to Kellen Moore, but they still end up being in short routes and low a dot and quick throw and Justin Herbert's getting sacked world because personnel wise they're not uh capable of sustaining a high a high octane offense they don't have the juice and they try to get the juice same way the Jets tried to make the change from 2022 to 2023 drafted Quentin Johnston in the first round right brought in Darius Davis okay maybe get a little bit more explosiveness didn't work and you're just sitting here watching the exact same problems on offense and then that defensively Whatever, the Chargers are what the Chargers are at this point. They play too high. They lose to the yeah. running game. Today, they, they, they were fine. They had four sacks, three forced fumbles. Like Today was great. But it, it, it's so frustrating. To I was sitting down. I was like, what do I want my take to be? Do I want to be about the Jets wasting this, this defense? Do I want to be about Zach Wilson's career, about the Chargers' offensive weaponry issues? Then I was like, wait, shoot. This is the exact same conversation I've been having with myself for years. And that drives me nuts. It just drives me up a tree. That's how I feel about that. I think it's a good it's a good angle. It was a hard game to have an angle on. I think you came you came in <laughs> hot and that's a good that's a great angle to have on this year cuz you're absolutely right. I mean, the Jets, I feel like the Jets, you know, that injury happened in week 1 to Aaron yes. Rodgers. We are now entering week 10. They had over 2 months to make a decision on whether they were going to make a move or not, figure something out, provide some type of upgrade. Again, we all know about the issues. By the way, all those issues about a quarterback coming in, you know, halfway through the season, how hard it is. I'm just saying, we all watch Josh Dobbs in Minnesota. I mean, they're just drawing it on a napkin and saying, "Go, you know, here we go. This guy's running the under. This guy's running the corner. Throw it there. They figured it out. So they had time. Uh, they don't really, you know, they're four and four, whatever. I'm with you. The frustrating part is they have so many players who I really like watching playing football. Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson, Sauce Gardner, uh, Quinn and Williams, Quincy Williams, CJ Mo. I mean, I-, I could go on and on. They have a lot of talented players. Those guys play hard. They're fun to watch. Guess what? You're, you're not, we're not going to take you seriously if your plan was just Aaron Rodgers got injured. We're playing with Zach Wilson the rest of the season. There's no reason for us to even discuss you any further when there's a great individual performance here and there. Uh, when, when there's a reason to discuss you, we will discuss you. But other than that, you're an irrelevant team. You're going to be an irrelevant team. Uh, see you in 2024. You know, if, if you make some type of run again, we'll revisit it. But you're sticking with Zach Wilson as your quarterback. That's how I feel about it. My take on the Chargers, Ben watching this and I wonder, you know, you mentioned all the issues around the quarterback and the quarterback is a hot button topic. I have been a Justin Herbert truther really since probably his first second game in the NFL. When did the the experience of watching Justin Herbert become this boring? I mean, that that's all I could think of was watching this game. And again, I know it's not all on him and and you can run through the other stuff. But watching that game, like when Justin Herbert came into the league and Tyrod Taylor had the thing and he just had to come in and play, I mean, it was a revelation. I was ready to fight. If we had that this podcast at that time, I would have been firing off the wildest takes about I would trade X, Y, and Z for Justin Herbert. This guy's incredible. And it wasn't just that season. It's happened. Through. And then I watch a game like this and I'm going, this was one of the five most boring quarterback experiences I had this weekend. 16 for 30 for 136, 4.5 yards per attempt. And it's like, what what has happened? And I know he's got the finger injury. And you mentioned the right side of the offensive line and lack of speed. But I just like, I'm not excited to watch him play football right now. And it's not just this game. And I know he's had great games this season and there have been some fun moments this season. But for the most part, when I look at the first half of the season, I'm like, 
this is no longer like one of the five most enjoyable quarterbacks to watch uh, in the NFL. And that kind of made me sad also. So again, they won the game. I know there's like a million metrics that would say, no, 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 Herbert's playing well. The offense is doing well. All those things. I'm not saying any of those are wrong. I'm talking about my experience as a viewer right. when I watch a player play football. That, that, that like if, if it were my take, that, I think that would have been my take if I had to do this game because that was just the feeling I couldn't shake uh, sitting there on the couch today. Yeah, so it, it like... Uh, the last couple of games have just been extremely low ADOT for Herbert. Like he averaged 5.3 air yards per attempt in this game. Uh, previously, when they played, was it Monday Night Football they had the Bears? No, it must have been Sunday Night Football. You can't do Monday Night Football back to back, can you? Anyway, Sunday they played prime time against yeah. the Bears. Uh, and they uh, uh, Herbert was 4.3 air yards per attempt. Now in that game, it was excellent. It was exactly what you wanted to do against the Bears. He had like nine incompletions and they just they shredded him going up and down the field. Before that, like he was a pretty high A dot quarterback and like they were there throwing the ball more aggressively. The Mike Williams injury, it matters so much to the team. Like that's a twenty million dollar wide receiver who they built their deep passing game around and they lose him, which like they should have been better prepared to lose him because Williams gets banged up quite a bit. But so that affects the passing offense a little bit. I do think that there's been some like turtling in the sense that that Herbert's always been so good as like a processor and like getting rid of the ball quickly and getting rid of it underneath and getting to his check down. He's always been like one of his superpowers such that he's comfortable doing that. You walk out to start the season, you have some games, you're really pushing the ball down the field, Raiders, right? Titans, he's chucking it down the field. They're aggressive, they're shooting. And when things start to like not work a little bit and you, you go down, you're two and four and offense is not working so great. You kind of reassess, go back to basics. And I think Herbert has accordingly turtled a little bit. So I'm not too worried about it. Like, I think that they're going to get a different looking defense, like one that's not the Bears that's given up everything underneath or the Jets who are just triggering on everything and the pass rush is crazy. I think you're going to see a, a, a better game. I think you're going to see Herbert throw the ball more downfield, more fireworks, more excitement. With that said, this stretch of Herbert play lasts like four or five weeks. It's the worst he's looked in like three years. I agree. And I think yeah. it's okay to say that from two people yeah. who really like the guy and still believe in the guy. I think like I, I feel like sometimes with certain people, you're like afraid to say that because then you put in this get put in this corner of like, you know, the wild hot takes on Herbert. But I, I'm glad you said that because that that's exciting. I do feel like that. Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, worst he's played in the in the last few years. And the, the reason why that's tough to talk about is because people are always like, Oh, you think Justin Herbert's good. I do. I think he's incredible. I don't think he's good every play because no one's good every play. I think in the aggregate, he's good. I don't think he's good every game because nobody's good every game. I think in the aggregate, he's good. Like That's all, 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 whenever it's like, all right, like Ben's a Desmond Ritter truther. That doesn't mean I think Ritter has like 45 good plays a game. I think he has like largely good plays. Like his good plays are good enough, right? So when we have like moments like where these Herbert stretches, you as like a Herbert guy, because I'm a Herbert guy, you're a Herbert guy, we're like afraid to be like, oh, he played poorly. No, he objectively did. Yeah. I, have, I think overall over the course of the season, he's played well. And I think overall over the course of the season, when the season is done, we'll look back and say that yeah, he played well, right? Like he had a good season. Like his, his metrics looked good. The offense like was largely predicated on his abilities. Clearly very talented. But the last few weeks, like Aikman brought it up on the incredible Keenan Allen catch when Allen hit 10,000 career receiving yards. He's been missing vertical throws, especially to Keenan. And he absolutely has. Because <laughs> Keenan runs like a 4-9 right now. And Herbert's trying to lead him. And it's not working. Uh, so they're, they're like, like they're, Herbert's been missing. They, they've, they've had uh, uh, games that they should, like that Titans game that they had, they had a chance when he missed some throws. Like he's had bad games. Objectively, like this, this four or five game stretch right now, one, one of the worst of his career. Herbert's still really good, though. No, I'm pretty confident in that. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what this Charger. I mean, I, I still don't believe in this uh, Chargers team. And also, one thing to keep an eye on: the Chargers' overall offensive metrics are going to look good, like EPA per drive. They're a top five offense in the NFL. I think that's a little misleading. If you look at offensive success rate, they're down at twentieth. And I was like, all right, well, why would that be? They're they, they don't produce any turnovers. I mean, they, they they don't give the ball away. That's like their superpower. And that's like a date. This is like the Giants last year. Like the Chargers have the second lowest turnover rate uh, in the NFL behind only the Texans. And so they are sort of like a, you know, when you're not turning it over uh, at all, the EPA and that stuff's always going to look good. And it's great to not turn the football over. But when that's your superpower, eventually some of the randomness is going to catch up to you. Even today, he had the fumble uh, and they recover it. And so success rate, they're they're much more middle Mm. of the pack. So like the Kellen Moore uh, experience and it was supposed to unlock Herbert and what it looks like. And then you had had the wrinkle of Mike Williams getting injured. Like uh, I'm still, in the sort of juries out. Uh, let's see what this looks like the rest of the way for the Chargers. Yeah, I will say, like, I, I agree with you. Like the the 
lack of turnovers is a big deal. Herbert's 10th right now in explosive play rate, which it just doesn't feel like that at all among quarterbacks, but he is like they are, they're finding 20 plus yard throws. A lot of it's like intermediate stuff that goes yards after the catch, but still like they're producing explosives. That's going to jack your EPA up while keeping your success rate low. And then the other thing with low turnovers is this is one of the things that Herbert's really good at. Like again, we talk about superpowers, like even if Herbert's not having the same season, he typically has in terms of like accuracy. He still has historically been really good at avoiding interceptions. A lot of times when he has interceptions, it's like threw into a tight window and the ball got tipped around sort of stuff. He tends to be very, very safe with the football and he has remained. So which as the offense has been a little bit neuter these last few weeks, avoiding turnovers still helps you because it, 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 it allows you to play that style of offense and avoiding those mistakes and kind of those longer, more laborious drives. So there's still like goodness baked into the fact that the, the, the Chargers are surviving on no turnovers. Like Herbert tends to be good there. Yeah, it's wild. They, they have the seventh most completions of 20 plus yards in the NFL. And I watch them and I'm like, it doesn't feel like that. Yep. I, I don't know. I'm just telling you that sometimes I, I like to issue the, you know, uh, the actual numbers and analysis and analytics and just be like, this is how this team team makes me feel. And that's how they make me feel. All right, that's Chargers Jets. Let's move on to the exercise. So again, here's what we're doing. We had these takes. We we did a bunch of preseason pods. We went on the record. Here's what we think is going to happen this season. And now we're revisiting those. And it's like a genie came down and said, you're each allowed to have three redos. You can go back, take those takes, redo them now at the halfway point of the season, look ahead and fix them. What do you want to redo? So I'm going to lead us off here. So like, here's what I got. I left the Ravens out of the playoffs in my preseason prognostications. Not by a lot. I was like nine and eight. They just miss out. I feel very stupid about that right now. (laughs) (laughs) I think the Ravens might be the best team in the NFL. I would like a redo uh, on that one. Here was here was my reasoning. Okay, so why did I leave the Ravens out? I've typically been pro Ravens in a lot of my analysis, really for the last three, four, five years. I didn't want to go chalk the same as last year, and I was like, who can I change that was in there last year that I don't want in there this year? Like, who has the biggest chance to not make the playoffs? And I picked them because I was like, you know what? This might be a transition year for the offense. You have a new offensive coordinator. You have a new scheme. You have new wide receivers. I remember you and I specifically having the conversation before the season. I'm like, you know what? I think they're going to be good, but I think they might not be good until like mid-November. I think they're going to have bumps in the road the first half of the season. And I said they'd get there by mid-October. And turns out they got there by (laughs) mid-September. Yeah, they got there way sooner than I think most people would have anticipated. They're top five, top eight offensively by pretty much whatever metric you want to look at. Lamar Jackson right now, completing 71.5% of his passes. Mm -hmm. By the way, also on pace to rush for over 800 yards. Has a quarterback ever done both of those things? No, the answer is no. In fact, a quarterback has never completed 70% of his passes and run for 500 yards, which he might do like by his next game, uh, you know, even if his season ended. So uh, that was the main reason I had hesitancy with the Ravens. I thought if that offense doesn't click right away, uh, you know what? It could be a, a little bit more of a bumpy ride, which it has not been. The other one, and this one's still in the air, Ben, uh, I wanted Jackson to show he could be durable. You know, he's missed five games each of the past two seasons. I'm knocking on wood. I do not want Lamar Jackson uh, to get injured. Uh, I want him to be healthy because that is a very fun team to watch right now. Uh, But that's the other thing he still has to show. And obviously, that's not a fun one uh, to talk about. But man, overall, this is just such a complete team. What they have done defensively to the Lions and the Seahawks in two of the last three weeks, like eye opener, absolute eye. Seahawks had six first downs on Sunday. Pete Carroll has coached 237 games in Seattle. He has never had a think of all those. They, even when the Seahawks were good, they would have those offensive games where, like, oh my gosh, this team yeah, right. stinks. Even those teams never had six first downs in a game. They had six first downs um, on Sunday. And so, Ravens, right now, they can win. Uh, within structure on offense. They can win with Lamar Jackson being creative, which probably later this week when we talk Ravens-Browns, we'll get into that. He can just kind of put the team on his back for little stretches and say, don't worry, I can create here. Uh, We can win that way. They can win with defense. We know they can win with special teams. They're well-coached. They lead the NFL in point differential. They're first in DVOA with no real juggernaut in the NFL this year. And I don't think there's a real juggernaut uh, in the NFL this year. Like, they got a real shot at this thing uh, w- with Lamar Jackson to, to make their deepest playoff run, uh, to maybe get to the Super Bowl, to maybe win the Super Bowl. So I would like that one back. Uh, Genie, 
Solak, whoever is the person granting me this. Uh, I would like the Ravens in. Maybe, you know what, uh, that that take about the Broncos sneaking into the playoffs. We'll, we'll just take that one back and plug the Ravens in there because I had the Broncos sneaking in as a wild card before the season. So that's my first one. Uh I, I I have a Ravens one as well, which is a little bit. It's just like you know, kind of a, a general look on 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 how I thought how I saw the AFC going. Uh, my one specific comment on Lamar is just to say I was I was like I was so big on Lamar preseason. I was big on Ravens AFC North futures preseason. I have all this this exposure to the Ravens to Lamar's passing overs uh, over three thousand three hundred yards, over twenty five passing touchdowns. They keep blowing teams out by thirty. He doesn't have to throw the ball in the second half. He's I'm sitting still, out. I'm yeah. on pace for the over, but I should be <laughs> miles ahead. With how, he's completing seventy percent of his passes. Throws like hundred and ninety yards and sits on the bench. This yeah. is unreal. I, I was so correct that I'm now in trouble. Anyway, not important. Uh, my my take I framed as this. My preseason take was that the Dolphins are the team to watch in the AFC. Oh, the AFC is this three horse race: Chiefs, Bills, Bengals. They've defined the race over the last three 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 seasons. But the Dolphins, this is the team to watch. I, I said they're going to win the division. They're going to win the conference. They could win the Super Bowl. This is the team that if everything comes together, they're going to be unstoppable. I should have picked the Ravens. I should have had the Ravens in, in that spot because you said it best, Jill. There's no juggernaut here, right? Uh, another take that I have uh, that I'd like to take back is when I made my Super Bowl prediction for our ringer uh, piece, like uh, we, we wrote out our predictions, I wrote that the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. And I wrote, I'm going to pick the team with Patrick Mahomes as its quarterback to win the Super Bowl for the foreseeable future. And while the Chiefs are still very much in the Super Bowl race, they're favorites right now on FanDuel. This is a very much a non-juggernaut year in the AFC. And like uh, the Eagles feel juggernaut in the NFC, Against yeah. the against the AFC teams, I don't think they feel that way, right? I think that this really like uh, this is a, a year where I think there's there's quite a, a large number of teams as we stand at the halfway point that have a legitimate shot of winning it. And so I spoke with confidence that the Chiefs would be head and shoulders above the rest. I was wrong there, and I said that if there's going to be a sleeper in this AFC, non Bengals, non Bills, non Chiefs, it'd be the Dolphins, and, and I should have said the Ravens. You talked a lot about the offense defensively. What in God's name is happening? I every week I cannot get over this that they, they they like I keep on expecting to watch them and they actually have stars and they don't because I still don't believe it's occurring that Jadavian Clowney and Kyle Van Noy are these teams primary pass rushers yeah. that 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 Brandon Stevens and Arthur Millette are two of their three starting corners that Geno Stone just like played well enough in Marcus Williams absence to remain a starter and leads the league in interceptions who's doing this how are the they have Roquan Smith. They have Roquan Smith and Kyle Hamilton. Like two studs at middle linebacker and safety, which is not where the, there's supposed to be an edge and corner, right? That's what we thought we learned. That's how we thought defense worked. At pass rusher and cornerback, that's where you put your stars. They have stars at linebacker and safety. And then otherwise, it's just at, at, takes a village, just everybody carrying their own weight. I, we have not seen a defense be successful like this in a bit, where it's just they, they, like they are not star powered, they are scheme powered. And 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 execution powered, mistake free football, matchup powered, and they feel immortal because like it just the next man up is always good and is always ready. They are so unbelievably well coached. The Ravens right now are allowing a touchdown drive shield on eight point seven percent of their drives, on 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 less than nine percent of the drives that this team faces, they allow a touchdown. It is the second best number in the True Media database. Do you know who's first? The 2000 Ravens. Old Ravens, yeah. You, you remember just one of the greatest defenses ever. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah. Just like the Ray Lewis, Rod Woodson Ravens. Yeah, this, this team is apparently the same team. It's unreal what they're achieving defensively. As impressive as Lamar and Todd Bonkin and the offense have been, 30 points against the Ravens, 30 points against the Seahawks, jumping out to these big leads. Even more impressive. It is so hard to stop good offense in the NFL. And they held... Ben Johnson and Shane Waldron, who like those two guys might be head coaches next year. They held them to less than 10 collective points over eight quarters. Uh, un- unbelievable. Ravens are, I'm obsessed with them. I think they might be the best team in the league. They're so, so, so good. Both those games I had, um, those were both in the one o'clock window. And I'm like, all right, it's my main game for one o'clock. And by the middle of the second quarter, I'm like, all right, I guess I'm done with, I'm done with this game. I mean, these aren't even close. Like, yeah, absolutely uh, have just have just crushed 
though, and those are two good teams. Like I believe in both those teams, the Seahawks yeah. uh, and the Lions, specifically offensively. Those have been two very efficient teams. And you watch them, and you don't go like, "Oh shoot, well if if this and that, then it would have been no, ten to seven at the end of, of the first Nothing quarter fluky. and whatever." No, like Gino was like doing his best. Like the Seahawks yeah. were like actually like getting some good stuff and then just getting stuffed on third down stuffed on a first down just 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 like it it was just we're a little bit bigger we're a little bit better we're going to be that way for four quarters it's it's unbelievable bully ball the execution is off the charts with this ravens defense yeah and your point was a good one about the injuries it's like yeah they have not had like all the luck go their way they start the season without marlon humphrey marcus williams uh goes down there and they're just finding guys over and over uh, and over again. Uh, I'm looking here to see. They rank in, in terms of ta- uh, turnover EPA on defense. They rank 19th. It's not a turnover-based thing. I mean, they can create turnovers, but they're not reliant uh, on turnovers. Yep. They're middle of the pack there. Like They, they even get uh, better luck there. So, all right, our, both of our first ones are on the Baltimore Ravens. I think they deserve I, I think they deserved a big segment uh, from us with the way they play. We were both looking forward to that game, and they just went out, and we're like, you, don't, you really don't need to watch this uh, after halftime. The game is over 29 first downs to six first downs in that game. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll get to the next takes we want to redo. All right, we are back on extra point taken. I got to take my medicine uh, for this one. I had the Carolina Panthers winning the NFC South. I don't know if anybody has watched the Carolina Panthers. I don't know if anyone watched the Carolina Panthers on Sunday. I don't think they're going to win the NFC South. Listen, sometimes you take a big swig and you whiff badly. Like you were talking about, you know, your pick for the Chiefs. So like for the content game, you don't want to be picking the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. No one's going to remember if you pick the, you need, you should have picked. That's a good lesson. You know, you pick the Ravens, then the Ravens win the Super Bowl. All of a sudden, they're putting out their hype video afterwards and they're saying, oh, the only person who chose us was Benjamin Solak of the Ringer. You know, it's about brand You go, you go scroll through the MVP picks for the Ringer. You'll see a lot of Patrick Mahomes, a couple of Trevor Lawrence's, and then one Lamar Jackson. Okay. I, I, I had my Ravens exposure in the piece. I was all right. You had Lamar there. All right, there you go. Good job. Uh, out of you. All right, so what was I trying to do with my Panthers pick? Really, as you know, as you wouldn't be surprised, I had to go, I had to fade the hipster Falcons. You knew that was happening when I was picking my NFC South champ. There was no way I was picking the Falcons. And then it was like, Dennis Allen, do I really... <laughs> Do I really want to tie myself to Dennis Allen and Derek Carr as favorites in the NFC South? And there was something inside of me, I think it was the right instinct, that said, Shield, don't do that. You did not want to pick Dennis Allen and Derek Carr to win the NFC South. So then it came down to the Bucs or the Panthers. And I thought, you know what? Maybe Bryce Young has an exceptional rookie season. Maybe Frank Reich does a good job there. Maybe their our boy, Giro Evero, does more with less with the defense. It hasn't happened. We don't need to harp on the Panthers. Terrible pick. Embarrassing pick. It happens. The question now, though, Solak, is this is a redo exercise. So what am I going to redo? What do I redo here? Who am I picking here? You got your Falcons. I could go, I could go with them. I think. You know, that's probably Listen, not going to happen. As, as a, <laughs> the captain of the Falcons boat, I would not recommend getting on the boat. I will, I was, I will stay here. I'm gonna go let's down get a little the, check-in. Yeah, let's get yeah. a little check-in. How, how, how are we feeling now? Okay, well, this is good. Is I've, got like, with... I've got like seven different potential takes. And obviously, the Falcons was one of them. Okay. I I I, I stood on this pod two, two weeks ago, and I told you the Falcons were going to make the playoffs. And I said they have a great schedule, and they control their destiny right now in the South. And it looks good. Well, lo and behold, they still have a great schedule. They control the destiny in the South because so they play the Saints again. They have lost two games since. And they benched Jesse Ritter at halftime. They've lost to Will Levis and Jaron Hall slash Josh Dobbs when he just got off the bus. It's just, it, it's the, the, the foibles of the team are, are embarrassing. Uh, Arthur Smith, sh- like he shaved his mustache at 3.45 a.m. last night. He's telling reporters because he's like, was- oh, it'll help us with the turnovers. Arthur, what's going to help you with the turnovers is running the football, okay, and not letting the quarterback start. But then obviously Bijan fumbles it, so all right, it's on Bijan. This team has more turnovers in opponent territory than any other team in the league, and it's just not close. Like uh, it's over the last like four weeks, I think. I think the, the the stretches they are so bad, 
executing in such easy spots. They are 30th in the league in touchdown percentage on goal-to-go plays. This with a team that is just invested in like multiple fullbacks. I, it's so bad. <laughs> and Bajan Robinson has, what, one touch or something, right? In those goal-to-go yeah. situations? Oh, in those goal-to-go situations, yeah. yeah. No, they, they like, so when Rare had the three-interception game against Washington, Bijan did not run great routes, and he made a, a few mistakes, and they led, to some, they led to, to picks. And since then, they've been wheeling him back, and I feel like he might be doghoused, and I just think that's hilarious. I think it's so sad. And so pathetic and so hilarious. I, I guess I'm going to go down on the ship of the Falcons because okay. of whatever. I'm pot committed. Who cares at this point? Nothing is real. It's <laughs> <laughs> real. The story of the 2023 but, Falcons. I mean, but again, like, what are the alternatives? Do you want to do Derek Carr in the Saints? I know. Do you do the it's box? not good. It's so it's bad. Not good. Yeah. So I all right. So Panthers are out. Uh, Falcons are going to be out. I mean, th- yeah, the Falcons, like, not only the last two weeks, what you said, but Arthur Smith has become, I feel like, just a, like, a, like, like a legit villain here. I mean, with the way he's operating, I, I don't know what we, we went over previously. People are probably tired of, uh, of hearing us talk about the Falcons, but man, they're, they've spent, what, three top eight picks uh, on skill position players the last three years. They've got three offensive linemen being paid over $15 million per year, and they're 24th in offensive DVOA yep. sandwich be- between the commanders and the Patriots. I listened to our predict the top five offenses pod to kind of like refresh myself, my preseason takes. And I didn't have the Falcons as a top 10 offense. And you were like yeah. flabbergasted. And if you yeah. go back and you listen to that segment, I was like, well, like I like them, but like if Ritter hits, even if he hits, he's going to be like a mid quarterback. And like, they just have so much to come together with these young players. And like, I'm doing a nice job of explaining why, like I, I like the Falcons, but I'm not going to get too far over my skis. And I'm just listening back to myself. Like, dude, if you had just said that line every time, instead of letting shield bait you into get, getting over your skis, you would have been fine. But no, I can't help myself. And here I am now the Falcons guy. I love that you were studying in the film and you're like, I did a good job there. Well, I, I, like, did good. I had them outside of the top 10. I was like, I just think they're going to be like, you did. I remember I that. Be I remember. Good enough to be 500 yeah. and win the division. And then somehow by September, it became like, Ben thinks the Falcons are going to win 11 games. The offseason's too long, man. <laughs> All right. So, you know what? I think I just have to redo it. I, I think I have to go with the Saints. I mean, I can't, I'm not going to go with the Bucks. I can't go with the Bucks. Uh, so I think it's going to be the Saints. The Saints have, uh, I believe, the easiest remaining schedule in the NFL. Yep. I think the Falcons are second easiest yep. uh, in the NFL. The Saints are half a game ahead of the Bucks. Oh, no, I'm sorry. The Falcons are four and five, one game back of the Saints and a half game ahead of the Bucks. So yeah, Saints are not a great team. They're five and four. They have a plus 26 point differential. Like I said, easiest remaining schedule in the NFL. They're doing some nice stuff. Uh, on defense, at least, I think the best unit probably of any of these NFC South teams is probably the Saints defense, as I say that out loud. Yeah, I think that's yeah. right. Yeah, that's easily yeah. right, right? Okay, so yeah. uh, Saints defense is the best unit of any of the NFC South teams, and then I need the offense to be mediocre, which I don't know that it will be. We'll see. What, how many wins How many wins does it take to win this division? Nine. The NFC South? Nine. Nine, Nine and eight. eight, yeah. Okay. So they're five and four. Remember when the Raiders made the playoffs two years ago? Like it was like that game against the Chargers where they tie, they both make it. Yes. And then they show up and like, we're going to get that exact same Derek Carr team in the playoffs again, where they're just like so average and they somehow sneak in and then they play a game and it's like kind of close and tight. And Derek Carr like looks like he has decent production. Everybody's like, wow. And it's like, no, this was never real. And we never should have treated it as real. But lo and behold, here it will come. Oh my gosh. I'm just realizing, Ben, the Saints play the Falcons in week 18. Did you know this? No, but it's going to be that exact. It's going to be that exact Raiders Chargers scenario. And it's going to be Saints Falcons in week 18. Winner goes to the postseason. All right. So there's my redo. Uh, I thought that was just a way to look at the NFC South, where we're at, who is going to win this freaking terrible division. I will redo it. I'm taking out the Panthers. I'm putting in the Saints reluctantly. If there were a fifth team that I could choose there, uh, I would go ahead and do that. But unfortunately, there are only four teams in the NFC South. All right, what do you have for your second one? Preseason, I thought Anthony Richardson was going to run away with Offensive Rookie of the Year. Mm. I'd like to just quick copy-paste CJ Stroud's name, just kind of white out and put his name right there in all those takes, and then keep it rolling. This cat's something. I know... 
again, like talk about things that we've talked about too much on this show. I came up here with Sorry. CJ Stroud like three weeks ago, and I was like, I'll do anything for the guy. That was like, uh, that was before he had a 470 yard, five touchdown performance against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, including a 40 second game winning drive in which he just walked the team down the field like a 13 year veteran. He is astonishing to watch. And again, like it's 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 the character of his play. It's the quality of it. It's how he's succeeding, where he looks so better and he looks so poised. He's so aggressive off of play action. He's so comfortable working with these receivers. It's just really a, a sight to see. I know that Puka Nakua has had like historical production, but I think that's going to kind of taper off Cooper Cup's back and Matthew Stafford injury. And I think that Stroud's going to run away with this. So, okay, Stroud off as a rookie of the year. But like to bring something actually new to the table here. She'll trade value rankings. Like, this is your thing, man. Like, you're the guy here. I know. CJ Stroud's the X-th most valuable contract in the league right now. It might be like fifth, sixth. Yeah. So, so I had to update this after week six, I think it was. And he was the guy. And I, and I, and they're like, include the rookies on this. I'm like, you, you know how I operate. I'm like, hey, it's only been six weeks. Are we sure we want to include the rookies? Like, right. they're like, no, 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 do the rookies. We got to make it fresh here. So I'm like, CJ Stroud, all right, I know he's my uh, top rookie. How high am I putting him? I ended up putting him uh, at 11th overall because I was like, Sheil, we've seen, like, sometimes, listen, sometimes, and I do not think this is the case with CJ Stroud, but rookie seasons are not always predictive, you know? So it's like, you know, you you have guys, and, and I agree with what you're saying. How he's doing it is different than pretty much anyone we've seen do it. I mean, this is not a good situation. I have, I was on the Texans under coming into the season because I'm like, look at this. Look at who he's working with here. The rookie quarterbacks generally struggle. This isn't going to happen for him right, right away, even though I liked him as a prospect. And the way he's doing it uh, has been astonishing. So I had him at 11th. I think I would have to move him up uh, if I was doing it again here a few weeks later. I don't know. By the end of the season, the question is by the end of the season, where is he? All right, so the Chiefs are not, you know, Mahomes is going to be one. I still yeah. think I still think Burrow and Allen are, you're putting them untouchable. on. Uh, untouchable. Lamar, I would say you put up there as well. Yeah, I think if he keeps playing like this, you put Lamar there. Um, and then you have that Hurts, Lawrence, Herbert territory. I mean, whoosh. He's in there. Yeah, I, yeah. I think he's. I think he's in there. It's. It's where in that tier is he going to be? And again, you can say, ah, come on, it's only going to be one season and a small sample. Yes, but the upside mm-hmm. of having a guy play at that level on that rookie contract compared to fifty million dollars per year. Imagine what right. teams would give up for that. It's crazy. Now and and now. So this, this is exactly what I want to talk about here when we start to like frame this conversation. There is not a a team in the league whose future stock I want to buy more aggressively than the Houston Texans. The Texans are right now projected to have the fourth most cap space entering next season, 75 million. This is why Stroud is so valuable because a rookie contract quarterback, this is the this is the effect that it has. You go and you look, wide receiver room, right? I mean, they're throwing to Tank Dell, Noah Brown, uh, Nico Collins, and Robert Woods. They don't have anybody on a big deal, right? Like wide receivers, star wide receivers costing $20 million this year. They have four guys this offense is working with. No one costs more than Six million this year. Robert Woods costs nine seven next year. You can just restructure that, and move off him. You know, Robert Woods, right? Like you have your young guys now. Uh, uh, offensive line, right? You have the the huge contract for Laramie Tunzel, but he's paying you off on it. This offense is unbelievably cheap. And then defense, they have D'Amico, right? Uh, D'Amico, who's who's making a lot work with a little right now. Derek Stingley, Jalen Petrie, Will Anderson. They have some really impressive young talent. This is the exact sort of team, the exact sort of team with, with how well Stroud is playing and the respect he's earning in the league. And then with how well-renowned D'Amico is as a head coach, this is the exact sort of team that can go out, get big free agents at big price tags who want to play for them. They uh, And then have the ability to hit the ground running and build a competitive team quite quickly. Now, like Jags are going to be good for a while. Colts, like Anthony Richardson, they might be good. It's not like the easiest division in the world. And then the conference, holy smokes, like the AFC is a murderer's row. But the the hitting on Stroud like this moves your entire time frame up for your, your team by a year. And the Texans, like every game that they win like this, every big moment that they have, every huge Stroud performance, just makes them stronger and stronger and stronger entering this upcoming offseason to make a really good case to league free agents, to make a case to build super aggressively, to get a ton of talent in on the rookie deal. They do not be surprised if, if Ben and Shield are on the mics August 2024, just being like, what is the ceiling for this Texans team? It might be through the roof. You know, it's it's a very interesting question with the building the pass catchers around him because 
Typically, free agency is not where you hit on that. You know, we like look at all the great wide receivers we've seen. It's been via trade. The the Tyreek Hill, AJ Brown, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, like all these guys have been traded. Not to say it's the only way to do it, but paying big in free agency for wide receivers generally, not all the time, generally has not been the way. The Texans did trade their first round pick for Willie Anderson, who's a stud uh, for sure and is going to be a building piece for that defense. That like this is probably more of a March conversation of like if they still had that first round pick and could trade it for wide receiver X, would that have been better to maintain that flexibility? But I got two words for you, Shiel. T. Who's going there? Hagens. Okay, I like that. Bring him home. It's a good one. Bring him to me. T. Oh, yeah. All right. Anyway, the most important thing is this. I thought Anthony Richardson was going to be amazing. He looked great. Maybe be in conversation for this. He got hurt. It's very very sad. But CJ Stroud, man, we are we're, we are seeing a rookie quarterback performance that like is appointment television viewing. He should run away with this award. Uh, and I wish preseason I had said that a little bit more instead of getting suckered in on the uh, the uh, the Anthony Richardson the athleticism. I got uh, I got I got too excited about it. I love everything about Stroud. I mean, I love the person like a bill. I love the way the teammates are like. Like like the sideline shots and stuff, and mm-hmm. uh, I mean that last drive is just like a legendary. Dr- like you can just see again, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but you can just see eight years down the road. Where oh, remember that drive he had as a rookie in week nine? That was incredible. I mean, that was just an incredible the the degree of difficulty on some of these throws. Again, he does not have a great supporting cast for all the all the people who you know. If you're of a certain fan base, and there's people, your friends are saying, yeah, but our quarterback doesn't have X, Y, and Z. Like, well, so look at who CJ Shroud is doing this with. I mean, uh, it's incredible. The touch, the accuracy. It was so wild because it's like the first half was kind of like, a, you know, it was like a standard, solid first half. And then all of a sudden, the second half, just every time they get the football, uh, he's firing on all cylinders. So, yeah, he, he absolutely was a huge story in week nine. Maybe like top five biggest story in the in the NFL this season is, is CJ Stroud. 100%. There's no doubt about it. I mean, to have, be this established this quickly and for us to be talking about how many quarterbacks would you not trade for CJ Stroud if we were able to do that pretty quickly? Like it's anywhere between three and six or seven. And that's it, I think, uh, in the entire NFL. I mean, that that is something that I don't think anyone could have predicted coming into the season. All right, take one more break. We'll come back and I need some help from Solak on this next one. All right. We are back on extra point taken. All right. So here's the deal with my third one. I think I want to do a do over on the Packers making the playoffs. When I, when I sat down to prep for the show, I said, shield, that's gotta be one. You've watched the Packers. This Packers team isn't making the playoffs. Do your two-over. And then I looked at the other teams in the NFC, and I was like, who am I doing a two-over with for the Packers? And am I sure that I want to do a do-over for the Packers? So for those of you who didn't listen to the preseason shows, Solak and I had this exercise where we agreed. We said, you know what? We're going to agree on one team uh, that we're both. This is going to be the team, uh, the extra point taken team. This is going to be a team with plus odds to make the playoffs. We ran through some. I think the Broncos were in there. The Steelers were in there. And then finally, we settled on the Green Bay Packers. We said, you know what? Uh, They've generally been a pretty well-coached team. Maybe Jordan Love can be average. It's not a great division. It's not a great conference. Maybe they win nine games and they get in. I think the reasoning was fine. Like, I don't have big regrets over that. I, d- I don't. My big regret, which this is my my Packers preseason take back uh, that I wish I would have had, was uh, you wanted to choose the Steelers, the extra point taken team, and I vetoed that in favor of the Packers. I'm not even. I don't. I'm not even positive the Steelers are a better team right now than the Packers. I well, just should have accepted other. the yeah. wisdom that the Steelers can't <laughs> legally go worse than 500 and thereby are going to be in the playoff race. Should have just known that the magic was going to ordain them a playoff team. Maybe we'll. we'll I, I have no idea. I'm afraid to. I'm afraid to even have an opinion uh, on. I feel like every opinion I've had on the Steelers this year has been wrong. That might have been my only good one, the preseason one. So uh, I picked the Packers to make the playoffs. Solak and I agreed. Again, I want the do-over, but they're three and five. They beat the Rams on Sunday. That's like the most impressive win you've ever seen. But the run game got going a little bit. Uh, Aaron Jones gets on the field. They they win by a couple touchdowns there. Ben, Football Outsiders gives the Packers still 
a 26% chance to make the playoffs, which was higher than I was expecting when I went yeah. to their playoff odds uh, page here. So they're not a great team, but if you look at their schedule, I think uh, in Predictable, the site that goes by the betting markets, has them with the third easiest remaining schedule. And it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a weird remaining schedule because their next four are not really easy. But I think if you look beyond that, I think they'll probably be favored in five of their remaining games. So here are my options here. I need, I need your wisdom to tell me uh, what to do here. And, and if it's, hey, she'll stick with the Packers, don't give up on them yet. I'm okay with that. My other options here looking at the seven seed in the NFC. And this is a good thing to look at as we look ahead to the final, uh, the second half of the season here. I could pick two teams from the NFC South. No, we both know based on our previous conversation, I am not doing that. I'm not picking the Saints or the Falcons to be the seven seed. So throw that out. I could pick the Josh Dobbs led Vikings. That could be fun for me. I don't know if I believe it, but that, listen, the Vikings, I think, might be like the most likable team in the NFL right now. I can't get They're enough so of that. Are, are you with me? I can't get enough of that story. Incredible. I walk away from every single Vikings game more and more impressed with Kevin O'Connell's ability 100%. to just coach around it. Like, it's just the, the O'Connell and Brian Flores are just coaching around it. Yes. Just guys are dropping like flies, and we don't have a lot of talent, and yes. we got a new guy in the building, <laughs> and here's what we're going to do. O'Connell... Uh, O'Connell's, I think, like, O'Connell's quickly approaching got the goods territory for me. Like, I I have, like, a rarefied, like, Hall of Fame upper cabinet of guys where I'm just like, dude's got it. Like, I know he's got it. I will always believe he's got it. O'Connell's approaching that spot where I'm like, man, like, I put him down 28 against the Browns, I'd watch. Like, just to see, like, they might get back in this thing. Who knows? They uh, they uh, they are a an utter joy to watch. After last season being so irritating because it was hard to talk about them because they were very yes. evidently fraudulent, this year they're the exact opposite. We're just like, this, this team's a blast, man. I was thinking the same thing. Last year was just like, all right, everybody make fun of the Vikings every week. They're winning these one-score games. We all know they're not that good, but their record's really good. And this year, uh, like you said, it, it, it is so different. I mean, we always talk about coaching on this show, and I like coaches who understand what their job is. That looks like a coaching staff. They understand what their job is. Uh, the chips are down. Justin Jefferson's out. Kirk Cousins is out for the season. Get, we, we can either make excuses or we can try to figure out a way to make it work. And Josh Dobbs just comes in. Their quarterback goes down. They find a way to win that game. Brian Flores. So like that defense is up to 10. In DV, a defensive DVOA. If you just had to rank rosters, defensive rosters in the NFL, that would be what twenty sixth or something. I mean, it's it's bottom. Maybe, yeah, like eight. bottom ten for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I uh, I cannot emphasize like uh, the the play they've gotten out of Josh Metellus. Cam Bynum is playing outside of his mind. Like I talked so down on this secondary. This should be this would be another good one for for me. I all I did was make fun of the secondary. All I did was hop on pods and be like name every Vikings defensive back that you can. And people would name like two or three. Metellus and Bynum have been like a that, that that's like a top 15 safety and a top 15 corner across the league this season. Huge 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 wins for them. I I had them when I did my defensive rankings. I, I definitely had them in the bottom Eight, I can't remember where, but I had them very low. All right, so I could go with the Josh Dobbs led Vikings as my uh, do over. The Commanders, the Bucks, the Rams. The Rams get a bye in Week Ten. Maybe Matthew Stafford comes back. If you told me that the Rams were going to be healthy, I would be tempted. But my goodness, he's got a thumb injury, uh, and he would have to come back in Week Eleven. So those are my options. So the options are: she'll stick with the Packers. Don't do a do over. Replace them with one of those teams you mentioned, maybe the Vikings, maybe the Rams. I don't think any of the other ones were that exciting. Uh, what should I do here? W- what is my move? How do you advise me? Yeah, if, if we could go back in time and choose which team to pick, we should absolutely go back and take the Vikings. Think about the roller coaster we would have had mm. just through the first eight <laughs> weeks to be where we are now and be like, they might be the sixth seed. <laughs> Just Josh Dobbs throwing game winners to Brandon Powell. We're 500, baby. They'd be an extremely fun team. We wouldn't have cheese heads. We'd have Viking horns. That'd be fun. That'd be good as well. It'd be better for the headphones. Great too. stadium. Yeah. Yeah. I like uh, a Minneapolis. Right. And we'd be probably also getting back into Vikings fan good graces after last year, probably falling out of those good graces quite a bit. Uh, that would have been a good move. Vikings would be a hilariously fun team to pick. Packers, I'm still like. The Packers are a very interesting team to me to watch. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't have faith in them week over week. But they are easily the youngest and and greenest, most mistake-prone, most figuring-it-out-on-the-fly team I've seen in a bit. And that's 
fun to watch just for like the like mad science experiment of it all. Like every time the sideline cuts to my, the camera cuts to Matt Floor on the sideline, I'm always like, okay, what's he going to do now? What, what does he look like? How is he doing? Because LaFleur just looks like he hates his job so much. And like I, the, 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 the way that he's defending Jordan Love and like the way that Love is just dealing with these young receivers, like there's, there's so much for the Packers that's fascinating, but it's a little bit more of like a grotesque fa- fascination, whereas the Vikings are like actually joyful. Vikings are five and four. Packers are three and five. I don't know. Should I not give up? Should we not give up on the Packers yet? We 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 shouldn't. But if you can go back, it would be more fun to have the Vikings. It would be more fun to have the Vikings. All right. So if I can have my do-over, uh, I would have done the Vikings. But Solek and I have to do an exercise for the ringer.com where we do our uh, mid-season predictions. So maybe I just stick with the Packers. Because what you said is true. There is a case that the Packers are so young that some of these guys are bound to improve as they get more reps. And maybe it only, you know, who knows how many wins. One of these teams is going to make the playoffs uh, as a wild card. Either the Saints or the Falcons, whoever doesn't make the, whoever doesn't win the division, the Vikings, the Commanders, the Bucks, the Rams, or the Packers. One of those teams is making the playoffs in the NFC. Uh, it's hard to figure out which one it's going to be. So that was my, uh, that was my last fun. Yeah, maybe I, I go back and do the do-over with the Vikings, mm-hmm. but I think, you know what? I'm just going to stick with the Packers. It's our first extra point taken team. I'm not going to turn my back on them quite yet. So there you go. We're going to have a fun time with those like six and eight Packers team there. Like in December, it's got like a 14% chance still. And we're just like, listen, if they win and then win and then win again. And if this, 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 is this. So that's always fun to do. At Pittsburgh, Chargers at home. At Detroit, Chiefs at home. Their next four. This could be over in a hurry. And then after, then after that, that get, it's good. Yeah. Then the it's, it gets easier. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, All right. Yeah, my third and final one. Uh, uh, man, my co-host is good at this. I should have known the Browns are going to be a top five defense. He hopped on the pod. Everybody in August was talking about Browns are going to be one of the top defenses. Browns are a sleeper great defense. Jim Schwartz is going to fix this in one year. And Miles Garrett's going to be defensive player of the year. And I was like, man, like the hype train's getting out of control. Shield loves to sit on a hype train and he'll be like, no, 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 no. no. Oh, there was the, I was the hype train. Who well, else that, was that, saying that's, this? That's, that's what I'm saying. No, 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 no. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying we were okay, at the okay. stage where you, you, know, you, right. you love to do your thing where you're like, I'm going to release my defensive rankings. I haven't said anything about them all year. Here it comes. And at the time, people were getting hyped by the Browns defense. And I was like, I don't buy this at all. And I'm, I was so positive. I was like, Shield's going to come in here and sit right on this with me. Big pessimist right down to the middle of the road. They're not going to get that good that quick. And then you came in with a top five. I had the Eagles as a top five defense. They are not that. I had the Patriots as a top five defense. They're like top 10, but not really like the, the unit I kind of thought they would be. And you had the Browns as a top five defense. And I was shocked. Right? I couldn't believe it. I was like, I don't think so at all. And it's funny because, again, like going back and listening to some of the stuff that, that I talked about, I was like, I'm worried about this corner room. And they haven't gotten the best Denzel Ward season. But Martin Emerson just decided to come out of nowhere and be elite. It's like, all right, there you go. You solved that problem. I had a lot of uh, doubts about the linebacker room and the defensive tackle room and the ability to actually be good defending the run up the middle. And they're like doing a full rotation at linebacker. And I don't know if people know this. The Browns are like the top one defense. And they just like, they're playing four linebackers. Because like they don't have any like none of their guys are like all good enough to be on the field for one for all three downs. So you just like rotate them. You can't do that. You can't just have a unit where you're just like chucking guys in and out in different packages and you're fine. But they're getting away with it. And it's because this defensive front is so dominant because Jim Schwartz is, is running a, a simple and extremely aggressive, high caliber tackling, uh, uh, get after and dictate defense that a lot of offenses are getting overwhelmed by. They're not able to handle. Uh, so if I could go back in time and, 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 and get my defensive predictions right, I would have bowed to the wisdom of the masses and more particularly to the wisdom of Shio Kapadia, known unit ranker preseason, excellent at ranking takes. And I would have well, accepted that the Browns are going to be as good as they are. Because uh, holy smokes, this Brown season, man, five and three. And with the way the quarterback has played when he's been healthy and then the backup situation, this team should be two and six. And not for the fact that their defense has been carrying them for the first half of the season. This weekend, best two defenses by far, I think. In the Well, I don't know if I should say by far. Cowboys are pretty good. But Browns and Ravens uh, going at it. Those two defenses. Uh, yep. That's going to be a fun one, which I'm sure we'll talk to talk about later in this week. All right, was that your extra point taken? Do you have an extra point taken? Or should I, I, I got some stuff here if you don't have one. That, that was that was like my, my official third oh, take. Was, the extra yeah, point okay. was kind of the first point here. Because it was like Jets, Chargers, yeah, here's the actual right. take on okay. a game. And okay. now we're coming off of the uh, off of uh, off of the kind of the preseason 
uh, edit takes, which, by the way, if we wanted to make the Browns take an actual week nine take, holy smokes, Clayton Toon, that poor, poor boy. I can't believe what they did to him. Oh, oh my goodness. It's a tough film. Your uh, your MVP is Lamar Jackson, right? You're sticking with that, I saw in the column, for, yeah. for the first half of the season? Yeah, okay. I think Lamar's the MVP. I think the race is pretty tight. Uh, I, I think Tyreek Hill has a legitimate case, a legitimate shot. I think if Tyreek Hill gets 2,000 yards, the way this offense uses him, I think he's up there. I think Jalen Hurts has really pushed himself into that conversation recently. Has had a few really high-production games last few weeks. I think Mahomes is still up there. Like The receivers are not good. And the Chiefs are seven and two. Like obviously their defense is great as well. Um, so there's a lot of candidates. I'd vote for Lamar right now if I if I had a ballot. I actually would too. As much as you know, I like disagreeing with you. I think it through the first nine weeks of the season, I would have Lamar Jackson as my MVP. Uh, I would be open to Mahomes and Jalen Hurts. I like I think Mahomes is doing way more with less than people uh, even understand and realize. Uh, and Jalen Hurts, you know, has obviously come on very strong. The guys I'm keeping my eye on in the second half of the season. Josh Allen and Joe Burrow. I'm not burying the Bills yet. There's too much, no. uh, and, I, and I saw you tweeting about this, uh, and I'm sure we'll we'll talk about this more. There's too much like data analytical evidence that this could turn for them. The the, the Cincinnati Bengals had the same record last year um, that the Bills have this year after nine weeks. Like keep that in mind. It is a long season. These things turn. I feel like if the Bills are going to make a run, Josh Allen's going to have to be Superman because I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, consistently on the defensive side of the ball. So I've got my eye. Like, I would not be surprised if two months from now we're going, Josh Allen's the MVP. Look at what he did. The other guy is Joe Burrow. I mean, the way he's played the last two games, uh, and we'll see what happens with the Jamar Chase injury. But man, uh, if they keep that up, that's the other one I've got an eye on. Do you know, I was looking at this. The Bills are averaging 25.9 points per game this year. They averaged 26.9 points per game last year. Some of this stuff just messes with you. When the numbers say one thing and your eyes say something different, you're like, what is happening? Like, I don't want to... I'm doing a play sheet on the Bills, and I'm excited to do it. I feel like Bills fans are going to get really mad at me, and I get why, because it's very annoying to have just some nerd be like, the EPA is good, and like when you're losing. But, like, let's, let's call a spade a spade. Like, Bills fans, you're not mad at Ken Dorsey. You're not mad at EPA... You're not mad at Josh Allen. Like you, you think about all these things, you're not. You're mad that you're losing, which makes sense and it sucks, but that's what's happening. The Bills have been one of the best teams in football the last three years, and they continue to lose to the top AFC contenders, lose in the playoffs, and now this season they, 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 lost, they lost to the Bengals and they're five and four. You're losing games. Like that's what sucks. Losing sucks. It's not EPA's fault, not Ken, Ken Roy's fault, Josh Allen's fault. Like a little bit Josh Allen's fault because of turnovers and whatever. But like the reason why. It's not, stop blaming me. Stop blaming like, like, the media. Like, you're mad at the media. And Bills fans are mad at everybody. It's just, you're just like, you're losing and that blows. Like that's, that's it, it, it sucks. It's super unfortunate, but that's football. So you play really, really good football and then there's a loss in the loss column and there's nothing you can do about it. It stinks. In a season where the offenses are not as great as they typically are, where the Bills are statistic, again, you're, you're probably right. They're probably like, shut up. We don't care about this. Where they are statistically, Higher EP per drive than last year, higher success rate than last year. Just a nine game sample of this. Like, I, I understand. I hear the frustration. I see it too. Um, there's just, you still have the quarterback, you still have the wide receiver one. Like, the tight, that tight end's coming on, uh, despite the fumble. Like, there's enough there that in this landscape of the NFL that they can turn this around. So, I'm not burying them yet. All right, last thing. Uh, you have a coach? I don't know if you've thought about this yet, so I can throw some of my uh, out there. Uh, coach of the year through the first half of the season? I, so I wrote Mike Tomlin in the column. I, the Steelers okay, make right. the, if the Steelers make the playoffs, <laughs> he's never won it, and yet he's immortal. Like, So you have to give it to him at some point. Like, If he's just going to do this for forever, he's got to win it some year, right? Uh, so Tomlin, I think O'Connell is a legit candidate as well, especially the Vikings. If they, if they play a playoff game with Josh Dobbs, they acquired the deadline, O'Connell yeah. should be up there. I think that John Harbaugh should be up there. Hard to overstate how challenging it is to have what is objectively a good offensive coordinator who's coached good offenses in Greg Roman and a good defensive coordinator who's coached good defenses in your building. Both of them did it in your building with your personnel in Wink Martindale and over two off seasons, get rid of both of them for guys who you like 
McDonald, you know, but is super young. Monken, you don't even know. Monken's not right. from the family, man. And to bring both of them in and have immediate success, oh, that's stones. That's really, really good, just just organizational management. So to me, those three, Harbaugh, uh, O'Connell, and Tomlin, those are three right now that are, are, are high up on my list. Those were the three I had written down, and then I threw uh, Dan Campbell in there uh, as well. I think just, I mean, you look at that franchise and what they've done here since the middle of last year uh, to this year, I think he has done a very good job as well. So we'll see what happens there the rest of the way. All right, that'll wrap it up for this edition of Extra Point Taken. Thank you to Christopher Sutton for producing. Thanks to Eduardo Ocampo for the video production. Again, you can catch that uh, on all the Ringer NFL social media channels. Additional production supervision by Connor Nevins and Arjuna Ramgopal. Next episode will be Nora and Steven with Dual Threat. And then Solak and I will be back on Friday. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming, Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.